0: Welcome to the rough road podcast. I'm your host, Lee Steele. Today, I have a special guest with me is a, she is a listener suggestion. Um, it's my wife, Carla Steele. Go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: So it was hard to get me to agree to this. Uh, so my name's Carla. I was born and raised in Connecticut. Lee and I met in 1996 and then reconnected in 1999. We were married in 2000. Uh, We have three children. And we've lived in Arizona since January of 2001. And uh, I think that's it.
0: That's it? Yep. All right. So, Obviously, the podcast is about overcoming adversity. So, you've had kind of some unique experiences. I do. From childhood and into adulthood. I've had a with rough. This, with this crazy guy here. No. <laughs> I've had
1: a little bit of a rough life. Some experiences. I don't know, I don't know what details difficult. you
0: want to go into from childhood, but. So, go ahead and I share was some.
1: raised by a single parent, and um, being a child of divorce was not easy and um, especially uh, the situation that I was in just wasn't an ideal situation but my mom did an amazing job but you know it's not always it's not ideal to be raised in a in a broken home without a dad so that was difficult but we got through it and I had a good childhood, I feel like. I had a good life. My mom was super supportive and did as much as she could for my sisters and I. Um, But one thing I wanted to talk about is that when Lee was diagnosed with PTSD back in 2010, it was not new to me. I was diagnosed with PTSD when I was 12 years old and it was something that I sought counseling for on and off for about six years, yeah, about six years, five years, something I sought counseling for on and off for five years. So I thought I might talk a little bit about that experience before I go into uh, my experiences with you because of your accident. How does that sound?
0: Sounds excellent.
1: Okay. So when I was 12 years old, my sisters and I went to girls' camp with church. Uh, Like I said, I was born and raised in Connecticut. Now, when you think of Connecticut, you don't really think of tornadoes. You think more Midwest, Oklahoma, you know, those Missouri, those kinds of states. Um, But it just so happened that year that I was 12 years old. There was a major tornado that came through Connecticut during the summer.
0: what where was that at?
1: Um, it was well. The camp was at Black Rock State Park, which was a state park um, in New Haven County, in Connecticut. So uh, it was
0: by. Wasn't it by a? I've been there. I've I've seen that. I've seen that. Uh, the area that the tornado hit. It's up by like a a um, ski resort. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I, I saw where it touched down there. We went yeah. there when I lived there. Okay. Not you and I, but.
1: When you lived there. Yeah. So it was our first day of camp. We'd just gone and gotten set up and hadn't really done much. We got there in the early afternoon. And uh, by, you know, they had said that there were supposed to be some thunderstorms that night, but. It wasn't anything that that they were overly concerned about. Um, we were around four in the afternoon. I would say it started to get cloudy, and you know we could hear rumbles of thunder, and it was dark. We were in an extremely wooded area. Connecticut is all green, lots and lots of trees. If so. you've never
0: been to Connecticut, it's uh, so. <clears throat> I grew up in Utah, and the only place there's woods is, like, in the mountains, really, at least where I grew up. I grew up in a little town called Delta, and it's it's a high desert, and so there's no trees, really, except for the mountains. In Connecticut, you drive in a tree, and it's like you're driving in a tunnel because there's so many trees. Like, the, the roads go through... Trees. It's like you're in a, I've always felt like I was in a tunnel the whole time.
1: Yeah. And it's like, if you're driving there in the summer and you have the windows down, when you go through those areas, like roads that have trees on both sides, it's seriously 10 degrees cooler in that area. So it's very, (laughs) yeah. So it's a very wooded area. I grew up around all green. So living in Arizona, it's all Brown here. Um, so anyway, we were at camp. It was like four in the afternoon. Just started getting cloudy. The sky started getting darker. It started to rain. We were, you know, we heard thunder, and our camp leader said to us, um, "Why don't we all go into my tent together?" And we didn't. It wasn't a big group, or we maybe
0: just like a regular tent, like a.
1: Oh yeah, it was only like, like maybe a canvas a, tent, or something it was like a like dome that. tent, but it was maybe a. There's maybe a, maybe a three or four person tent. And we were a group of maybe 10 to 12 girls. So we all went in her tent, we were standing all in a circle in her tent. And um, it was, it got really loud, really fast. And lots of thunder, wind was so loud. And so she's talking to us and she only had like a little sedan car, just like a little four-door car. And the car happened to be parked right outside her tent.
0: So, you say loud, you mean loud from like the wind and the lightning and the thunder? thunder Yeah.
1: Not lightning. Yeah, lightning doesn't make any noise. But the thunder. It's really light, though. Yeah. So, the thunder was really loud. So, she said to us, You know, I've always heard in a lightning storm that it's good to be in a car because of the tires. So, it'll be a really tight squeeze, but why don't we all try to go squeeze into my car? So, we agreed, and she went and opened the tent. And like I said, the, the car was parked right near her tent, maybe, I mean, maybe 20 to 30 feet away. Not that far. And when she opened her tent and we looked at her car, two humongous trees had fallen on top of it. Her, tar- her car was totally crushed. So that was part of this
0: noise you heard then?
1: Probably. Or or it was just so loud that we didn't hear that trees were falling all around us. Surely you
0: would hear it 10, 12 feet away. 10
1: Well, that's how loud it was. So um, trees were everywhere. There happened to be a park ranger running down the road. And um, there was a road with campsites on either side. And like I said, trees everywhere. And she yelled to him, what do we do? And he told her, run to the bathrooms. The bathrooms were the only um, brick structures in the area. So the bathroom was a small brick structure. It had maybe three sinks and four stalls.
0: They have like a tin roof? What What was the roofing? No, it was
1: all brook, brick. So the, it, it's like a, was like a shingle roof. So it was like, it a, was a, wood, a, tin. like
0: a wood roof then with yeah, shingles on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And hmm. the building was brick. So, but it wasn't a huge bathroom. Like I said, four stalls, maybe three sinks. Not a huge bathroom. But um, so she turned around and she looked at us and she said, girls run as fast as you can to the bathroom so we ran it wasn't that far like we could see the bathroom from our campsite so it wasn't that far away
0: and that's and not one of those scenarios where you just have to outrun the slowest person
1: no but i ran pretty fast i'm not a fast runner <laughs> i was fast that day though
0: when you're outrunning a bear you just have to outrun the slowest person when you're outrunning a tornado it doesn't matter it doesn't stop when it gets as slowest
1: yeah <laughs> so we ran in there and then um they told us we all had to stay against the wall because the stalls were metal and they were worried about Getting hit with lightning. lightning coming in. And so we stayed against the wall and, um, you know, everybody handles situations like that differently. Like I can remember just being so nervous and so scared. But there were girls that were in there that were just totally fine and just having a great time still and not at all phased or concerned about what was going on. And I was like shaking, I was so scared. And uh the thing I think that made it worse is that they were doing a headcount to make sure that we were all there because my group was only 10 or 12. But we were it was with a church group. And so there were like, you know, six or seven other congregations there with us, and so there. Were, I think there were about seventy-five girls, and so they they wanted to account for all of them, and we so it was were whole all whole wide thing. Yeah, and we were all um, shoved into this little bathroom <laughs> against the walls and really close to each other, and um, they kept doing a head count over and over. They did more than one. Probably they probably tried to count us like maybe three times. And so at that point, would they point, come in and go like,
0: "Okay, we're gonna do a head count. Nobody move. One, two, No, three.
1: like they 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 wanted the leaders to account for all their girls, and then they, I guess they kept coming back to the leaders and saying, "You know, are all your girls here?" And then, um, I think at that point they might have announced names like they, of the did girls. Did they know? That were... Did they
0: know kids were missing at that
1: point? So I think at that point, because they were doing the head count over and over, they realized that there were some girls missing and I don't remember if they said their names or I think they might have like is so-and-so here. And, um, unfortunately what happened is that there were three girls missing and they were under a canopy playing a card game In when the storm, hit, storm, when the storm hit and, uh, unfortunately a tree fell on, fell on them. And, uh, so um, I got a question
0: real quick. Yeah. So back up a little bit. So when the storm's coming in, did did the did you notice that the did the sky turn green like they
1: normally say? Well, there are so many trees there that
0: you didn't notice. No,
1: I, I did notice that it was visibly darker. It got really dark and really well, yeah when win- it,
0: when it's to strong it gets right dark
1: and really windy. But no, I didn't see that whole green sky. Yeah.
0: When I was in when I lived in Rhode Island, I was in Woonsocket, Rhode Island for a while. Um, we had that happen once where the sky turned green and they're like nervous that a tornado yeah. was going to hit. And then it never did.
1: I remember but, when we first moved to Arizona, the first time that there was like a big dust storm. it's um,
0: reminiscent of that. Right?
1: I, well, I remember standing on the balcony cause we lived in an apartment that was on the second floor right. and standing on the balcony and kind of watching it come into the valley and the sky, <clears throat> excuse me, the sky got kind of a green haze and it brought me right back to that hole. <laughs> run for your life moment. Right. It made me really nervous. But then so I realized the, that.
0: So move, going back to what you were just saying. So the the tree fell down on the canopy. So the tree fell
1: down on the canopy that those girls were under and unfortunately one of them passed away. The other they were pinned under it. That's why they couldn't get to right. the bathroom. Um and in the just the chaos of did everything. Did they know to go to the bathroom? I don't know if they did. In the chaos of everything. I mean it was really I think the benefit of my group was that we were all together in a tent, right? Because, um, you know, the girls were staying in different tents. Like in our, just with our group, there were maybe three tents set up that different girls were staying in. So, um, the benefit of my group is that our leader put us all in one tent, so she knew where she knew where we all were. Right. So, uh, the three girls were pinned under. One of them broke her back. Uh, One was paralyzed from the waist down and her sister, unfortunately, passed away.
0: The one that broke her back, did did she get paralyzed or?
1: No. She made a full recovery. Mm -hmm.
0: Besides maybe emotionally.
1: So so, uh, when the tornado was passed, they told us we're going home. Go pack up your stuff as fast as you can. And it was our first day there. So we barely like set the tent up and unpacked. And one of the girls in our group, her dad had a suburban and he came and got us. And they literally just like took the stakes out of the ground and like wrapped the tents up with everything in it and threw them in the back of his suburban. And then when we got to his house, we spread it all out on his lawn and figured out what was ours.
0: So, um, before you, you were nervous as a kid, right? You, yeah, I've you, always
1: been a worrywart. I think some of the experiences that I had as a child, right, um, you know, before led to that. Led to that. I've always been an anxious person. So you,
0: you were nervous going to camp, right? You didn't, you didn't particularly want to go. Your mom kind of had to convince you to go.
1: No, I. Well, yeah, it was kind of hard for me to be away from my mom. It right. still, it's still kind of is, <laughs> but um, but is that why she comes over every day? It, <laughs> But um, I wanted to go because my sisters were going and my friends were going. So I was excited to go. But oh, it was hard um, for you to go. Yeah, it was, it was going to be difficult to be away from my mom for that many days. I hadn't ever. It turns really, out it was only one day. Yeah. I hadn't ever really been away from for a pro- prolonged period. So um, I can remember driving in the Suburban back to this uh, gentleman's house and he. Like it was still thundering and raining, and I can remember just sitting in the suburban, um, plugging my ears, because I didn't want to hear the storm anymore. And Were you
0: nervous about storms before that?
1: No. Nope, not that I can and remember. And I know,
0: I know as an adult, since we've been married, you've been nervous about storms too, so it's affected you
1: yeah, even today. I think that I do pretty well now like, we had a storm recently, and I didn't get super uptight about it. No, but I mean... If I'm out in the open, I don't... I, who wants to be out and about in a I bad being storm? I love a good storm. It's fun. So, um... They make you a little nervous, is all I'm saying. Yeah, they still make me a little nervous. Right. And, like, last night, our 16-year-old well, was like, like driving like, a few home. years
0: ago, when we were at, like, Pleasant in that storm, that made you a little nervous. Yeah,
1: well, that was so, a... It was a good storm. Yeah, and we were in the middle of a lake on a boat. (laughs) Yeah, but... (laughs) It was like our own little perfect storm. But like last night, it was raining and thundering out, and our 16-year-old was driving home from work, and I was nervous about him coming home, but he made it home safely, which I'm thankful for. So um, anyway, so that experience... just led to kind of a downward spiral in my life where I became nervous of a lot of things, but especially of anything weather related. Um, so I hated thunderstorms. I didn't even like it when it was cloudy out. I became obsessive about watching the weather to see what it would be. Um, and it kind of started to take over my life uh pretty much that that day and it ruled my life for a lot of years and my mom finally decided that how long did it take for your mom to decide that you needed to get help um i think probably within a couple of months she realized that something was not right
0: when you said, mom, can we get a subscription to the weather channel? <laughs>
1: but I would watch the news every day to check the weather, to see if it was, even if there was a chance of storms. And if I was, that's at, like an old fuddy-duddy thing I to know. Do. <sighs> if I was like at school. Like my parents,
0: they, that's what they do. They watch the weather. They would watch the weather every night. And hmm. then when the weather's over, they shut the TV off and they go to bed.
1: If I was at school and it was starting to cloud up, I would panic. I missed a lot of school, especially if it was going to rain. If there were ch- a chance of thunderstorms, um, and I, I would miss school, and so I was just.
0: Why would you miss school just because you were scared?
1: Yeah, I was afraid to be at school if it was gonna if we were gonna have a bad storm.
0: So you thought your house was safer than the school? I guess
1: <laughs> the school is probably safer though, huh? <laughs>
0: Probably, I know. We, I've seen some of the houses you lived in. That.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're probably a lot sturdier at school than your. So,
1: house. Um, I just wanted to be at home. Home was my safe place, and and uh, especially if my mom was there. Although she worked, so I don't know why staying at home alone <laughs> made me feel safer than being at school, but it did. Did you have your little teddy bear to cuddle? I guess. Um, so I started therapy. Um, probably when I was about 13, I was 12 and a half when that experience happened. So by the time I was 13, I was in therapy and, uh,
0: and so did this therapist just teach you coping skills? Yeah. He
1: taught me some relaxation exercises, some visual, uh, visualization and, uh,
0: so you visualized me. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he taught me some relaxation exercise. And, I mean, this is going back. Okay, so if I was born. That was not a
0: convincing laugh, by the way. This was, like,
1: 1989 when this happened. So, I mean, there's so much more available now. Like, I remember he taped himself, like, talking Talking. me through a relaxation on like a tape cassette and I would listen to it
0: for those of you listening that don't know what a cassette is it's a little it was before cds
1: yeah we're dating ourselves yeah so um so I did that for a while and he wanted me to like learn about, you know, part of my therapy was learning about tornadoes. There was a local museum that did a exhibit on that tornado because they're not very common in Connecticut and, and this one was quite destructive. So there was a local museum that did an exhibit of the path of the tornado, the destruction that happened. And when, and he encouraged my mom and I to go there and when we did, um, if you look at the path of the, the tornado, it went right through the middle of that state park that we were at. So, we were in the middle of it. So, for a long time... Do you feel like
0: that helped, going to that museum?
1: I don't know. Not
0: really. Did that really, I think I think it was relaxation was just, tape help? Oh, yeah. I did was use he, that. Did he have a nice voice? Like, a, a soothing voice?
1: Oh, um, I don't know. But I trusted him, so... He was a really nice guy. I trusted him. So. What was his name? Dr. Sherman.
0: What was his first name?
1: I don't remember. Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. I don't know. I was only 13. I probably, we weren't on a first name basis.
0: Well, he called you by Carla, I'm sure.
1: Um. So I saw him for probably a couple of years. And then, um, but unfortunately, uh, the anxiety that I had before that and, just the type of person that I am just uh, became a very anxious person it only it only magnified my anxiety
0: so those anxieties that you had moved from storms to other things like airplanes right boats yeah <laughs> all sorts of other yeah
1: things. I guess I guess it's like all things like when I
0: don't have control
1: don't have control I have a hard time with that Although that's, I love that's being... That's why
0: you're anxious about me because you don't control. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Although I love being in a boat when I can see the shore because I know that I can get to the land. You think you can. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> that's your... But um, so anyway, so I, I was in therapy and uh, for a couple of years and then I stopped. And then when I was in high school, I went through a difficult time. And so I started up again with Dr. Sherman um, and we would make goals. I remember especially like the second time that I was under his care, he would, we would make goals and like have something to look forward to. And that's kind of like. Has something to work towards, right? Yeah. Something to look forward to, something to yeah. work for. And I remember that I was a key part of it. That's a key
0: of therapy is having a goal to work mm-hmm. towards
1: and have an and accountability. So. Uh, when I was seventeen years old, I graduated high school. So, like five years Look later, at you, seventeen. Graduating. Yeah, some a fall birthday. I was almost nineteen. <laughs> fall birthday. Back in Connecticut, they started you. You know, you could start when you were four. So, I graduated when I was seventeen. Um, moved to Utah, and I remember uh, I took the bus when I was in Utah a lot. And I remember one day sitting on the bus. I was sitting by the window, and it was raining out, and I wasn't afraid. And was it Sunday by chance? No.
0: No, wasn't it a Miracle on Sunday? Okay. No. <laughs> it's a different day.
1: But I wasn't afraid, and I remember that was like a turning point. And I even wrote Doctor Sherman a letter to tell him.
0: Did uh, you get a response from him?
1: I think so. But um, that was a turning point for me. I remember very clearly. Sitting on that bus, it was raining outside. The sky was dark, and I wasn't afraid. Hmm. So, and that was six years later, because by then I had turned eighteen. Eighteen. 17, eighteen. Eighteen. So it was probably is about six years later that that had happened. Huh.
0: Was that the first time you remember not being afraid during a storm since the tornado?
1: Yes. Well, I was all alone, so it's it's the it's when I rem- remember being alone. And like being able to control my thoughts and my feelings by myself.
0: Were you controlling him or were you just not worried?
1: I don't know. I think I was just, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I think I was just working through it. Like I knew that it couldn't hurt. me. It wasn't
0: running your life anymore.
1: Right. That was when I realized that it was not running my life. And although that's an I
0: important ha- part of overcoming it, because once it doesn't run your life, or that you accept that it's a part of you but it's not going to run your life, then you can live again, I guess, yeah, or like, move on. Move on. Yeah.
1: So, yep. I was sitting in a bus in Provo, Utah in the rain, and I realized Provo or Orem? I think it was Provo. And I realized, I'm okay. I'm okay in the rain. Uh, not, not to say not that not good I,
0: enough to get out and go dance in the rain, <laughs> though. Right?
1: N- no, I was on my way somewhere. <laughs> so, um,
0: you didn't tell the bus driver stop, stop, stop. No, I need to, get out here I and need dance to go dance in the rain
1: No. So, anyway, the reason why I wanted to share that was because um, PTSD wasn't anything new to me when Lee was diagnosed. When you were diagnosed. And um, I listened to your first podcast and you had said that, you know, you had believed uh, that bad things couldn't happen to good people. Uh, That was not something that I believed. I knew that very bad things could happen (laughs) to very good people. (laughs) So I didn't deal with that type of emotion or disappointment when that happened to you, because I knew from experience, from some experiences I had, not only with that storm, but with my mother and some experiences that very bad things could happen to very good people. Right. So there was no bubble burst there when, uh, when you had your accident back in 2010. So, um, I remember that day in 2010, very well, I was at home getting my children ready for school. Wait, let's
0: back up. What happened right before that?
1: So in March of 2010, uh, I woke up one morning to the alarm and uh, went and turned it off and looked at the clock. And I remember looking at the clock and it said it was 7.13. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to lay here for another minute and then I'll go get the kids up. And one was in our bed with us. Or were two in our bed with us? One. One. Um, And I woke up an hour later in the hospital. I had had a grand mal seizure in our bed. Um, I'd never had a seizure before in in my life.
0: So you don't remember the actual seizure? No. Are you okay if I talk about it? Sure. So, sorry. So... I don't remember the alarm going off. I don't. I don't remember that portion. I was still asleep. Yeah, I was still asleep. Um, I. I, I think I was getting up at like seven thirty or something, and uh, so she had her own alarm. I had my own alarm. Her alarm went off. She shut maybe it off. Maybe
1: the alarm didn't go off. Maybe I just woke up and looked at the. Yeah, maybe clock that's what it was. I don't, know. Thought, I don't remember the alarm. Oh, I have off. a few more minutes.
0: Yeah, my alarm hadn't went off yet. Uh, It turns out that she was my alarm that morning, because the bed <laughs> started shaking and she was like screaming. Um, so our, our youngest, was our youngest or was it Jillian? I don't know. One of our kids. I don't remember if we it was. We had
1: kids that would come in in the middle of the night and end up getting in between us. So somebody was yeah. in the bed. I
0: don't remember if it was our second or our third child. It was either Jillian or Kedrick. I don't remember which. Um, they, one of them was in between us. I think, I, th- I want to say it was our youngest, Kedrick. He, I think he was in between us. And, um. He's pretty young. He was what, like three or something.
1: He was almost three. No, he was almost four. Almost four. He was born in 2016 in April yeah, of 2016. So he was, pretty young. He, so he he, was almost he, four.
0: He came in, in the middle of the night sometime and was laying there sleeping in bed. And you had started to have a grandma seizure. had started to shake. You got really stiff and started to shake and kind of started like, y- almost yelling, grunting. Yeah, grunting or making. Yeah, you're making some noise. Well, I
1: know that and I bit my tongue really bad. Yeah, so you did. My mouth, w- you my did. teeth were clenched. And
0: I thought you you said something that almost sounded like Lee, because I'm like, huh? And I looked over, and you were just shaking. And then I remember whichever kid it was. I believe it was Kedrick. He's like, whoa. And I grabbed him and I threw him, I grabbed him and threw him over on the other side of me because he was in between us, Um, threw him on the other side of us. And we had just, we had just went from a queen size bed to a king size bed. So there was tons of room in the bed at this point. So I threw him on the other side of us and he started freaking out. And then I grabbed, the phone was on your side of the bed. I grabbed the phone and I went to call your mom and on accident i called my sister <laughs> instead of calling your mom i called my sister and my sister picked up and she's like hello i'm like carla's having a seizure can you come over here and she's like what and i'm like oh i called the wrong number <laughs> click and i hung up on her and then i called i called your mom and then she came over and the ambulance came and they came in you
1: didn't call 911 1st
0: Oh, I did. I did call 911 oh, okay. first. Okay, because in an emergency, yes, yes, yes. you're supposed to call 911. I did call 911. <laughs> and then I called, yes, I did call 911 first. And then I called <clears throat> um, my sister on accident. And then I called you. And then my mom. Uh, your mom. And then uh, the ambulance got there. And by this time, you had stopped. Um, you went through the whole process of a uh, grandma seizure. And then you had stopped and you were just sitting there, like heavy breathing and like grunting as you're breathing. Mm-hmm. Like, like. But you're, like, asleep. It was almost like you're asleep. And I kept, are you okay, Carla? Are you there? And you wouldn't answer. You, I couldn't so wake you up. I you were, very... like, rebooting. It was, it was really weird. It was really weird. I have you had, small... like, goosebumps all over your arms. It was, it was pretty crazy.
1: I have a small flash of a memory of being on the stretcher and going down our front walkway. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, a little split second of That's a memory. It. And then I remember... Being, being in the hospital, in
0: the hospital. And I, I remember I remember when you came to in the hospital and you're like how'd I get here
1: yeah like and I remember I looked at the clock and it was like 8 10 so it only been like an hour right and uh I was totally out of it
0: what's pretty funny is you so I don't know it was pretty funny I thought it was kind of interesting when the ambulance came in the the guy in the ambulance um had asked me a bunch of questions about it and I told him everything that I that I saw and he's like okay and so they they came in the room and they hooked you up to they gave you an IV they
1: did all the stuff I don't remember any of that yeah how did I get on the stretcher they didn't pick me up did they uh I think they put you on a backboard really yeah I I don't remember (laughs) I've never asked that question I don't remember I'm a big gal that'd be hard for them (laughs) to pick me up and get me on the stretcher like a
0: butterfly on it yeah um anyway they came in and then they said they kept asking questions like Oh, do you know, do you know what today is? And you'd go, yeah. I mean, and then you'd say like nonsense stuff.
1: Uh-huh. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and from what I understand, like you knew you had to answer, but you didn't know how to, how answer. to answer
1: it. And so, so you would
0: say, yeah. And then you would just say nonsense stuff and they'd go, Oh, okay. And I'm like, she totally didn't answer that. Right. They're Like, yeah, her, her brain's rebooting right now. She doesn't know what, she doesn't know what to say. And I'm like, oh, is that normal? And they're like, yeah.
1: So that happened in March, March of 2010, and that was a stressful time for us. I was, I wasn't able to drive for three months.
0: We had, we had a friend, still have a friend that, but we had a friend that had had a seizure that was kind of going through it at that time too.
1: Yeah, and so she was helpful yeah. to us and really supportive and. Anyhow, so it was a stressful time. I wasn't able to drive. I uh, was trying to find, you know, they decided that there was some abnormality there and that I needed to be put on some medication. We had a really difficult time finding a medication that was a good fit for me. It took, um, I think it took like three before we found the right one. And uh, so that was in March and fast forward to the end of April and Lee has his accident and I remember that morning getting my kids ready for school our youngest was going to a preschool at the time we had some good friends that were doing a carpool because I couldn't drive him there and I'm trying to think how our other two got to school I think that my mom would come and get them only one
0: was in school right
1: no, if Kedrick was, was in Kendrick was Kendrick in preschool? Kedrick was yet? in preschool, so I think Jillian was in kindergarten.
0: Did you walk them there? Maybe they were I, both going to. I Stevenson. doubt it.
1: <laughs> I think my mom came and got them. So anyhow, we were getting the we kids ready. We were only ready. like a block and a half yeah. away from the school. We're I don't know how I got them there.
0: I remember. I remember on that day, I went and got the kids. I from went, school. From school that day, I remember.
1: Um. So, Lee called. I answered the phone, and, and it was he like said,
0: w- w- it was like seven in the morning yeah after seven it was right after the accident.
1: Well, you said the accident happened little... six forty seven oh, okay, so yeah, so we were doing our six, morning routine six forty seven six twenty seven something like that so we were doing our morning routine, and uh six twenty seven accident happened at six twenty seven okay, and you called me pretty. It was pretty soon after. Yeah, it was
0: right around that time. It wasn't.
1: And so he called me, and he said, "I was in an accident on the sixty. I ran someone over." And I, I don't remember saying that. And he did not. But you didn't tell me that the gentleman had passed away. You just said I ran someone over. So I remember, I said to you, "Okay, call me back." You said, "I'm waiting for the cops to get here" or something like that. And I said, "Okay, call me back." So I remember stopping the kids and saying, like, Poppy was just in an accident. Um,
0: How did they react when you told them that?
1: Well, I mean, I think that they were concerned. So I
0: mean, Christian was probably the oldest. He was probably the one that was like... So in
1: 2010, he was eight.
0: Mm-hmm. Almost nine.
1: It was the beginning of the year. He wasn't nine until November. Well, it's middle
0: of the year, April, almost May.
1: So, yeah, I was like eight and a half-ish, mm-hmm. um, so which would have made Jillian five. And, a half. and then Kedrick almost four. No, he had just turned four. Yeah. So I remember I stopped them all, and I was like, you guys, uh, we need to say a prayer. I said, we need to pray for this man. That probably was in an accident. They call him Poppy.
0: Little did you know that he he was already.
1: (laughs) And I said, we need to pray for Poppy. We need to pray for this man. So we stopped and we said a prayer. And then I remember talking to you. You ended up calling back and I said, is he okay? Is the man okay? Because when you had called first, I said, are you okay? And you said, I'm fine. Nothing happened to me. Right. And so then when when I literally, spoke no, to you,
0: literally nothing like happened nothing to my physical. vehicle. I didn't get hurt, no no airbags went off, nothing. Um, it was all like my vehicle was not was not damaged in any way. So
1: So when I spoke to you the second time I said how's how's the man? And you said um He's, he died. And I don't remember if I told the kids
0: I don't, I don't think at that
1: did. point. I probably, I don't know. I can't remember. But um, I remember our good friend came and picked Kedrick up for preschool, and I walked him out to her car, and okay. I told her, and while I was telling her, I started crying, and so she started crying, and I was just like, I don't know what to do, and and uh, at that point, I think it hit me, like, you know, this is a big deal. Right. It hadn't hit me yet. Yeah. So I remember coming home. I mean, I knew, home. I knew it was
0: a big deal. Someone died, but I... I didn't think it was as big as, as it
1: going to be. So I remember you coming home and you came home, you know, after, you know, you told your story a couple weeks ago. but We
0: can go over a little bit again. So I was there. I was stuck there until almost 10 o'clock. So, um, they were literally taking him off of the freeway. Um, and then they finally let me go. They wouldn't let me leave until my vehicle, until they finished, um, releasing my vehicle because it was part of evidence, because it's essentially it was um, if it was a murder, it wasn't a murder. But if it was a murder, it would be considered the murder weapon. So it it was what killed him. So they had they were investigating the whole scene of the crime. And it was part of the scene of the crime. So they wouldn't let my vehicle leave until they were done investigating the scene of the crime. And so from six, um, they so I actually hit him at 6 27 in the morning the police got there around 6 30 ish so they were there within a couple minutes and then i was not allowed to leave Every, literally everyone was gone besides me and the police and then the person that was hit they were loading him in an ambulance and taking him um they were literally shutting the doors and they're like oh you can go And that
1: was like 9.45. So So so. I remember you coming home. Right. And it was right when. And I didn't come straight home either. I went,
0: remember I was training that kid to fix dents on cars. And I was supposed to go to his house that day. And I ended up going over there, but he wasn't there. And so I'm like, well, I'm I'm not going to stick around here. (laughs) And so I ended up calling him and saying I I couldn't do it today. And then I came home.
1: So, when you came home, it just so happened to be when Kedrick was done with preschool. And our friend came and brought him home. And you had got home right around the same time. And so I remember her asking you if you were okay. And because she was the one I had told, asking you if you were okay. And I remember you said it so many times I'm 100% fine.
0: I don't remember that. I don't remember seeing her.
1: He would always say that. He said that so many times that day. I'm a hundred percent fine. A hundred percent
0: fine. I, well, everyone's, everyone's asking, uh, they're like battering me. <laughs> so <laughs> everyone want to know if I was okay, I was totally fine that day.
1: So at that point he was a hundred percent fine. And, um, I know in your, in your podcast, you talked a lot about, um, not being able to sleep and things like that. And I feel so bad. I don't have a, a really clear memory of those for that first little while, because like I said, um, I was on and off of different medications and right. kind of dealing with my own stuff. So I don't remember the sleepless nights. And Well, you wouldn't. You were asleep. Oh, probably, I guess, huh? Yeah. But I do remember that. Um, I remember when you started to go and see Corinne mm-hmm. and I went with you that first time.
0: Yep. Did you sit in her living room? Yep.
1: I just sat in her living room. But I wanted to be supportive
0: to her, because I know. So,
1: oh, we were.
0: I had had a dive trip on May fifteenth, and then on the I believe it was the seventeenth of May. I think it was. I was in a car accident. Another one. Yeah, on my way to work. I. When it rains, it pours. I had a flashback on the way. And a car stopped in front of me and I didn't know that they were stopping. I was in a flashback and I hit him. I hit him going, I was probably going 65 miles an hour and they were dead stopped. Um, I didn't really talk about it in my previous podcasts. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be alive. I, I feel like, um, I hit him going really fast. They were stopped. Um, I totaled my vehicle, totaled his vehicle and his vehicle hit another vehicle in front of him. Um, when, when we were all finally got stopped, all the vehicles, um, my right or excuse me, my left driver's side door was crunched. I couldn't get out and the airbag, I could wrap it three quarters of the way around my head. So it was it was bad. I don't know how I didn't get my head taken off. <laughs> I didn't I didn't have any I didn't have any bruises from the airbag except for on my arms where it hit my arms and knocked it off the steering wheel. That's it.
1: And then you had quite a few bruises I seatbelt belts. Yeah, on my on my
0: chest and so stuff. That
1: was it. You didn't have any nope. other
0: I bru- I sprained my ankle.
1: That's it. So but you've got weak ankles. Lots of sprained ankles in your past.
0: Well this was a compression sprain It's a little bit different So But um, I remember right after that You went to that appointment with me Because we were, only had one vehicle And so you went You came with me for some reason I remember you coming to, with me to that appointment
1: Maybe just to Lend some support I guess yeah. I know that I went with you to the first one And just waited But I wanted to Well you came supportive. with me to that
0: one I remember you parked in her driveway well, she I has wouldn't trees. have been driving No I know I came you came with me you stayed in the car with it running in her parking in her driveway underneath her trees in the in the shade okay in May. It was May yeah with the AC going and I went into the appointment
1: there okay maybe we must have been going somewhere afterwards maybe I don't know um but
0: I know that I know you did I remember you coming to that one and I <laughs> I remember walking into her appointment and I could barely walk my ankle was hurting. Because it happened on a Monday. It happened on the 17th. And then the 18th, I had my appointment. So I went into the appointment on the 18th. And I walked in. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, no. I said, it's going to take me a minute to sit down. I was in a car accident yesterday. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah. What happened? And I told her, and she's like, oh, yeah. I I think she was, thought we were a little further along than we were. So... Think she thought I was better than I was.
1: So So oh because Yeah. You didn't remember driving right. that morning.
0: Because um, I, I had dropped I had dropped Christian off at school that day. Um and then went to work. For some reason. I don't know why I was dropping him off that day.
1: You must have dropped Jillian off too. Yeah. She was going to school.
0: Yeah, I, I had dropped well, both, dropped them both off, of them off. And then I went down Coral Bell to Ellsworth. And I don't remember. Once I got to Ellsworth, I remember driving down to Ellsworth, and then and then I remember hitting the car, and like which and, was like on the sixty. It's like
1: a mile and a half away.
0: Yeah, I don't remember driving that mile and a half.
1: So, I do remember when you had that second accident, going to the impound yard, mm-hmm. and um, we were looking at your vehicle. It was totaled and we oh we went to go get some stuff out of it yeah because your tools were in it
0: a friend of ours took us down
1: there and i remember looking at it and you pointing out um
0: how far the seat was forward
1: no well i don't know if i remember that part but i remember you pointing out that there was still some remnants of the first accident yep on the vehicle and i remember thinking oh my goodness
0: on the passenger sliding door yeah
1: so, I remember looking at the vehicle during that.
0: Yeah, there's still a handprint on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, that was... Yeah. Difficult to see. Those were some rough times. <laughs> um, I'm glad we're past those. So... Knock on wood. Yeah. Uh,
0: there, I did it for us. Okay. So... I don't know if this is officially wood. It looks like wood. It's good enough. So,
1: um... But anyway, I do remember you going spearfishing a lot, and I remember, I remember in your previous podcast, you're like, "My wife's not going to let me do that," but his wife did let him do that. I'm here to say, I said that that you let me do that. I was very supportive of you going to take your mind off of things, and um, and I know that. I felt like the... So I thought I'd talk a little bit about my perspective from going through all of this with you. Right. Um, I felt like that first year after the accident, I knew that you were struggling, but you were talking to Matt a lot. You were going to therapy. Talking you were, to Karen a lot. Yeah, you were staying busy. And so I felt like that first year that you were doing good now i don't know that what your internal dialogue was at that time but from the outside looking in
0: from your perspective from my
1: perspective i mean i live with you i'm with you all the time i felt like you were handling it really well when
0: well i can tell you my inner dialogue was a lot different than you were seeing.
1: but you were doing a good job
0: i hit it very well
1: um but I think when the second anniversary hit, which was in 2012.
0: Well, 2011 was rough, too, because that that was the year that my mom, mom died. Away. Right. So that was that tough. Was a
1: difficult year. And um, but when the second anniversary hit in 2012, that was really Lee has always um, like since that time. Uh, has always dreaded that day, that day.
0: That is always hard for me.
1: The day is always hard for him.
0: Actually, this past year, I saw a fatality on that day.
1: So, April 27th, right? Yep. So, April 27th is always a difficult day for him. And I remember um, in 2012, that's when I felt like it started to get... The worst. The worst. And then... Well, we we were...
0: I was pulling away a lot. We were fighting a lot. Yep. Um. And so it it just adds up, right? I'm sure I wasn't the nicest. You know, you yeah. were you were trying to fix Live. me or yeah, yeah. One to... thing,
1: yeah. And I did do that a lot. Like tried to. You know, I had it all worked out in my mind. I felt like, you know, I could help him or fix him or. Um. so then 2013 came it was the worst year of my life <laughs> after all of this horrible stuff I don't happened, I wouldn't say
0: it's the worst year of your life I would I wouldn't but I think there's a lot worse things that's happened to you in your
1: life than that no 2013 was the worst year of my life I disagree um, that on the third anniversary was when like I felt like our lives were spiraling out of control.
0: Well, January of 2013, my brother died unexpectedly, right?
1: which didn't help. And then the third anniversary hit, and that was a and bad that year. was it. That was the worst. That was the worst one. Yeah, so up up to that point and, and since, since that point, right? 2013 was the worst year. Yeah, on well, the anniversary.
0: You know, uh, on in previous times that I've talked about it, I've always. Um, You know, I've I've I always said, but you know, I've talked about how bad the recovery is, and maybe I've made it sound like it's, you know, a year or two years. No, it's taken me years and years, years and years to get where I'm at, and I kind of fi- feel like at this point I'm kind of finally on the way up, you know.
1: You mean here and now yeah yeah here now not in 2013
0: yeah that's what i said eight years i finally feel like at this point after eight years i finally feel like i'm finally on my way back up um you know where before
1: it was a roller coaster there were ups and downs
0: but like really bad oh the downs. downs were really low and the ups were okay but the downs were severely down.
1: Yeah, like when... So there were times during those first three years that things went well. You know, we had some good things happen and... But I definitely had some... And he had... As far as
0: the PTSD goes, I definitely had some... A, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the... the, uh, not side effects, but there's that word association ratio <laughs> I have... Um, I take a medication. <laughs> that's he a side just effect found out of it. Yesterday. I just found out yesterday. That's a side effect of it. Um, I have, can't find his words. Yeah, I can't. I, and I've been dealing with it for a couple of years. Um, I I have a lot of the symptoms. That's where I'm looking for. I have a lot of the PTSD symptoms. All right. And I, I still do, but I really severely the first few years. Yeah. Um, the, I, Like getting angry. I We get very short fuse, right? Yeah. It, it, took, oh, yeah. <laughs> it took very little to get me angry.
1: Um, Pulling away. Right. Isolation. Um, and, you know, like, looking back on my experience, I pull, pulled away. I avoid, you know, when I was going through all that I went through as a adolescent, um, I avoided social situations. I wanted to be at home. Right. All the time. I still love being at home. I'm a homebody. Um, so... So I understood some of what you were going through. I mean, we went through, I went through it as an adolescent and, you know, and you as an adult, so of course our experiences are going to be different, but I right. understood like now well, looking, looking back on it. And our experiences were different too. Right. You know? But looking back on it, right. Cause I didn't suffer any of the guilt or that you right. suffered. Looking back on it now though, I can see the similarities in our experiences where I pulled away, I isolated myself, I went through times of depression. And <clears throat> um, so I can remember in those first few years, there were some periods of time where things went very smoothly, um, but it was rough. It's really rough. In 2013, I feel like it came to a head and it kind of spiraled out of control. But something I wanted to talk about was um, you had talked in your last podcast about you didn't want to put your family through... My first podcast, right? Yeah. You had talked about you didn't want to put your family through it. You... So you felt like removing yourself from the situation would be like the solution. Right. And, um, I never felt that way. I didn't ever want Lee to, I mean, harm himself. Of course I didn't want that to happen, but I never wanted him to leave or I never felt that way.
0: Right. That's, that's the irrational part. Right. That I talked about also. So at the time, you know, I had irrational and rational. And I had a hard time distinguishing between the two. I didn't know a lot of the times what was rational and irrational. Right. And so, like
1: being at school on a cloudy day and being in danger is an irrational thought. Right. It is. I thought that being at school when it rained out was somehow going to harm me. And that's irrational. So I get that Right. irrational, irrational.
0: Right, and and <clears throat> the only way I th- I saw to keep you and the kids from getting hurt was for me to pull away and, and get out of the situation, because I because I saw what I saw from my perspective, from my irrational thoughts is that all this all this unhappiness and anger was from me, because of me because because of when I say when I say because of me, I mean because of because of the situation that I was put mm-hmm. in, because of this experience now we have these innocent victims that are in this situation because of the way that I am now. And so I thought that the, the only way to, to you know make it make it better to make you guys happy which is obviously an irrational thought because that's not that's not what's gonna make you happy it's right, made, right? It's to
1: remove yourself is to situation. remove myself
0: from the situation right and i realized that's not a rational thought that at the time i thought it was rational right yeah Does that makes sense oh yeah I'm over here tearing up, I kinda, talking about it. By are the way. you?
1: That's Don't you see sweet. the tears? Yeah, I do a little bit. We're kind of in a darker room right now. So, but yeah, I do see that. I can that. hear
0: it actually in my voice. My nose is getting stuffed up.
1: Well, I'm but, grateful. I'm so grateful that you realized that that was irrational. But that was difficult. That was a difficult time in our marriage. Um, I learned some very valuable lessons in 2013. So, even though it was the worst year of my life, um, I'm grateful that I went through it because I learned some very valuable lessons. And one of them was, um, you know, we'd been married 13 years up to that point. And, uh, I realized that for a lot of those years, I was not a very good wife and, uh, I nagged, I tried to control, um, I offered advice when it wasn't needed or wanted and I I realized that I was trying um, to change yeah like always trying to tell you what to do how to make it work and
0: uh well and another thing um you know wh- when we when we were first married when we first moved here we we went to counseling couples counseling, marriage counseling yep. and I remember when we went to that um I remember going to counseling and, um, I remember the counselor asking, so what's the issue? You know, what's, what's going on? And I remember telling her, Oh, it's me. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I just do nothing right. That's the problem. I do nothing right. And I remember feeling that way because I was always, I always felt like I was being told what I was doing wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And I'm and I'm uh, I'm not perfect by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. Despite what everyone thinks, about yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I think I think that's a dangerous, a dangerous, very dangerous slope to be on, um, for a spouse. Either slope, right? To to put yourself in, whether whether you're the one that's always tearing down your spouse, or you're the one that's being torn down. It's a very slippery slope to mm-hmm. be on for either one,
1: and it went both ways. Right, right, like, and
0: I'm I'm not saying it didn't. What I'm, I what just I'm, gave him
1: the look. <laughs> it went no, both ways. It did
0: go both ways for sure. I'm agreeing, um, but what I'm saying is it's a slippery slope because I feel like I feel like once you get in that situation and it becomes the norm,
1: it's hard to break. It, free. It's hard to break, mm-hmm. right? It does, it just becomes the norm and, and you're
0: And then and then there's a breaking point, right? If you if you're the if you're the spouse that that is taking it all the time, taking that negativity and that being beat down all the time that you're terrible and you don't do this right and you don't do that right, right? And you can never do anything right and and your spouse isn't happy because you're not doing this right, not doing that right, where you know here's my take on it. I can't make you happy.
1: Right. Would you agree? So at the beginning of our marriage, Lee would always tell me, like, how, how would you word it? You would always say, it's a choice. I used to hate when he would say that to me. Like, happiness is a choice. You choose to be happy. Right. It's not anything that anybody around you is doing. Although they can, you know, add to your happiness or take away from your happiness, but they can't make like when it comes right down to it, you can't make somebody happy. Right. And I would get so angry whenever he would say that true? to me. But is that true? It's happiness true. Happiness is a choice. So, so is love. I can't Love's a choice. I can't
0: make you happy. I can I can make things that make you unhappy, or I can do things that bring some happiness. But ultimately, you have to choose right. to be happiness happy. Right. Happiness is a choice. It's a choice, right? And and that was very hard for me in 2010 because I was a pretty happy guy right? Before, before April of 2010, I was a pretty happy guy. I was happy quite often. I didn't wake up unhappy. Would you agree with that? Yes. I didn't wake up unhappy after April of 2010, after the 27th, I woke up unhappy every day. And so it was tough. And, and it was a choice that I was making. And finally, when it came down to it, that I realized that I just had to decide I was gonna be happy that day, regardless of how I felt, that's when it all started to turn around. It took years to decide that because I felt like I was dealt a raw, a raw deal. So But it's
1: going back to what you're saying about um
0: It's a slippery slope for the for the person, especially when they're when they're getting torn down all this time. Because at some point they're gonna reach their their breaking point, and they're going to say, "You know what? I'm
1: not taking it anymore. I'm not well, doing it." and all of this was happening. I feel like all of this was happening in our marriage, and, and then, you know, throw PTSD into the mix with the rational and irrational. Right. I think that. Um. It was like a like, was like a nuclear bomb. Yeah, <laughs> like normal, like maybe normal disagreements that happen in every marriage were kind of nuclear. It was yeah, bad. like blown up. And so,
0: and it wasn't Carla's fault. It, they, I, so like I take full responsibility. Like, like, like we would have normal disagreements. Like, oh, you burnt my toast, and then I would blow up. Like, I don't remember ever having a disagreement about burnt toast, but right. but it would be little stuff like that, like stuff that is irrelevant that doesn't matter. We would have disagreement about, and I would blow up. Yeah, and that's my bad. I apologize for that, but that's my bad. Oh, thank you. That's my bad. And that and, you know, I hate to cop out, but, you know, that that's definitely a symptom of PTSD, you know, not being able to handle the stress of the situation. Right. Um, I wish that and, I had. And I and I know been able to. I'm not that, that I'm not that way as much now. I don't feel like. Oh, no,
1: not at all. Um. I mean, sometimes you throw temper tantrums, but. Happens to the best of us. (laughs) We both do. I think everyone does it. Some. Yeah. No, you're not that way. now. No, you're not explosive like you were. Right. And what would happen? So what I was saying was, so Lee was talking about you know negativity or things in our marriage that weren't going right or my nagging or whatever. But I think that with the PTSD, it was all magnified because of the like rational irrational thought, and so I think it just. It just made it bigger. It made it more of an issue. And so, so, uh, in August of 2013, Lee decided that he was going to leave, that he wasn't going to be part of our family anymore. And that's not anything that I wanted. Um, and I told him all the time, something that I, that I told him all the time was like, I get that we're going through some stuff. Hopefully you remember this, because I said it to you a lot. If we come out on the other side of this together. That's the medication. <laughs> um, I would tell him, if we come out on the other side of this together, it'll all be worth it. Like, I'll go through it with you. I'll go through all this rotten, you know, hard stuff. I'll go through these trials with you. As long as we come out on the other side of it together, it'll all be worth it. Like, I'll totally walk through it with you. Do you remember me telling you that a lot?
0: Medication? You've got
1: to remember at least sometimes. (laughs) Medication? No, do you not remember that? No, I remember it. I remember telling him that. And so no matter how bad it got, I I I feel like I always made it very clear that I wanted our family to stay together. And I wanted for Lee and I to stay together and stay close and... Um, it got really close to where, you know, he was, he was done. He was going to leave. And he was like two days away from moving out. And he remembered his why. <laughs> and so tell them what your why is.
0: I've told them. It was my kids.
1: Yep. He remembered his why.
0: And he- well, it was tough because my kids, when I, when I, we finally, I finally told the kids that I was going to be leaving.
1: Worst day of my life.
0: And they said... They went nuts. (laughs) Yeah, they did. And they were like, no, don't leave us. Like, they they couldn't understand
1: it. They just wanted us all to be together as a family. Even though things were difficult, they wanted us to be together. And so, like, I... And I
0: just kept telling them, but you guys would be happier because I'm not here to make you guys unhappy and they're like you know i don't,
1: we don't want you to leave you
0: know it'll be fine we'll try harder we'll because you know
1: they would do things that would frustrate me and i would leave yeah like during this time lee was leaving a lot he would just leave our house like he'd get i remember the week that all of this kind of happened um It was for more than a week, though. No, no, no. But I remember specifically, like we were at home and I was making dinner, and something minor happened, and you're like, "I can't do this. I'm out of here." And, uh, but that happened a lot. Like he would leave a lot, and he just couldn't handle the pressure at home, and like little tiny disagreements, or you know, just the The stress. Yeah, stress of everyday life was too much for him to handle at the time and it just came to a head and it exploded and and he said that he was leaving and um we told our kids which I didn't want to but I mean it was happening in three days so we had to (laughs) and um and then that next morning it was so he was like two days away it was happening like that weekend and that next morning he called me from work and uh he said i can't do it he's like i cannot leave my kids and i remember telling him how proud i was of him and it's hard because like i wanted to be the reason why and i wasn't but that's okay because he had a reason why and it was our kids and I, th- and, uh, little by little, but I had, I had the
0: reason why for other right, things before then, like I was suicidal long before that, like, right. but I had gotten over that, you know, I, I'd, I'd moved past that. I went from being suicidal to just not caring anymore. Yeah. Just, to- I would say that
1: totally, totally, you were in a deep depression, right and um and this was during a time like you know he that first year like when like, he was getting counseling and meeting with Matt often like he was really like working on it and then by year 3 you know everybody i think like in his mind and maybe like in my mind a little we were like okay you should be over it now And he wasn't, he was still struggling. And I think even, I remember during that time suggesting that you go back and get some counseling. But at that point, he was just in the thick of it and didn't want to hear anything from anybody. So, but fast forward, he found his why. He remembered his why and he stayed. And then little by little, like I said earlier, love's a choice. Little by little. Um, things got better. Things got better.
0: You know, I, I started to get... I started to process things better.
1: Right. We set some ground rules, though. Like... I started to, to um,
0: process the stresses better. I think that's the big thing is, you know, I wasn't processing the stresses very well. And because of that, it led to
1: yeah, un- unhappiness spiral, spiraled right? out of control.
0: With the kids, with you, with me, mm-hmm. just in the household in general.
1: But I learned a lot of valuable things from that experience that um, I couldn't set these high expectations. I had no expectations. And that was something very valuable. Like I and I can remember Matt telling me that. Like have no expectations because what I would do in my mind, I would, you know, have this expectation that things were supposed to be one way. And then when they didn't go that way, I would take it out on Lee because it was supposed to go my way. So I had no expectations.
0: And then I would interpret that as, you know, I'm this horrible person because I let you down.
1: So, and t- that was a very valuable lesson to learn. And, and I so, fi- still and so finally, that.
0: it came to a head, and where I'm like, you know what? Fine. Yeah, I'm done. I don't care anymore. So, so it just uh, ended up being a whole
1: big mess,
0: <laughs> a jumble. <eye. laughs> so,
1: um, and I needed to stop nagging. I needed to stop trying to control. My husband, because nobody tells Lee what to do. Um. And I remember, and I tell people this all the time, because people will still ask me, like, "How's Lee doing?" and and. Uh,
0: I'm happier now than I've been since 2000. Yeah,
1: and I always tell that I'm like, "Oh, our relationship's good and things are going good," but um, but my motto is, "Love Lee, trust God." That's all I can do. I can't try to control him, I can't tell him what to do. And although it was a horrible, hard lesson to learn, I'm really glad that I learned it because I think that it's made our relationship better. So I can remember New Year's Eve 2013. And things were still shaky with us. They were better than they'd been in a while, but they were still shaky. And I remember um, looking at you and saying, I have never been more grateful for a year to be over. (laughs) Do you remember me saying that on New Year's (laughs) Eve? I remember saying it. Where were we? We were at Monica's house. Hmm. I had never been so grateful for a year to be over.
0: I don't remember that.
1: And, uh, And not to say that they're having... And, you know, it's hard when you... Develop habits, especially bad habits, when you develop habits it's hard sometimes not to slip back into those and we've had our moments over the last few years where... Not me. <laughs> we've had our moments over the last few years where that we've kind of slipped into those old roles but I feel like, especially if I feel like, if Lee kind of points it out to me then I try to snap out of it pretty quick because... I don't ever want to go back there i think the same with you if you kind of slip back into your old kind of the old you you'll and i if i point it out
0: i don't remember ever pointing it out i don't think it's happened
1: i'm that's because i'm so clever in how i do it maybe (laughs) but um
0: i know i'm just a jerk i'm like welcome back gold carla and then you slap me
1: well no I'll snap out of it pretty quick.
0: Then you slap me and start swearing at me. (laughs) (laughs) Just joking. She didn't swear. Um, She does punch though.
1: I do not. Um, So anyway, those were some, I don't know. I think after 2014, things started looking up.
0: So what's your takeaways?
1: So my takeaway is.
0: Don't tell me what to do.
1: Yeah, don't. Don't tell you what to do. No, don't try to control, especially if somebody's going through a difficult time. Be willing to listen. But there were lots of times that Lee didn't want to talk about it when he was at home, which is fine. Be willing to listen. I do know, though, if I have moments where he is talkative, that I try really hard to make sure that I'm a good listener, that I'm being an active listener. Because sometimes those moments come, especially like lots of times I think they happen when you and I are on the phone. So if you're in a talkative mood, I need to pick up on that cue and be an active listener.
0: Because when you're not, then it frustrates me. I'm like, fine, I'm not going to tell you then.
1: Yeah. And so, I won't.
0: I won't. I'll. you would be like, No, what? Wait. What I can always tell when you're distracted not listening. and not Yeah. listening. You're distracted doing something else. So if. Then I'll be like. Nope, I'm done. Not to talk to you then. If you so don't want to, if you don't want to hear it, I'm not to talk to you. Yeah.
1: So, so my <laughs> takeaways are: um, if somebody's going through a hard time and they want to talk about it, you need to be an active listener, but don't force it. That's number one. Number two, no expectations. Uh, number three would be don't nag. I don't think there try should to control. Definitely
0: be expectations, but. Not your expectations, right?
1: Well, when you're when you were in like the real like depths of despair, I couldn't set expectations on well, you. Well, you
0: shouldn't be setting the expectations for me.
1: Who sets them? You. Yeah. Right.
0: You shouldn't be setting expectations for me. Right. Just like I shouldn't. So that's expectations why I'm sal- for you.
1: saying no expectations. I don't want. I well, shouldn't. Well, there has have to ex- be
0: expectations, right? There has to be checks and balances,
1: right? But when but, you were in the thick of it, just making it day to day.
0: Minute to minute,
1: all right. Right. I couldn't have any expectations for you. You ne- I just needed you to keep swimming. I'm a good swimmer. So... If I do say so myself. Yeah, he is a good swimmer. And uh, the, the biggest thing was... Lovely, trust God. That's my motto. I say it to myself a lot. Especially if I'm feeling down about things.
0: You say lovely, trust God?
1: Lovely, trust God. I tell myself that a lot.
0: Even if it so. has nothing to do with me. No. You're like, course if it has lovely, trust, trust God. <laughs> of course if it
1: has something to do with you. So.
0: But if it doesn't have something to do with me, you're like, lovely, trust yeah. God.
1: <laughs> and then another <laughs> thing is that Bad things happen to good people, and that's okay. That's part of life. It
0: sucks, but it does.
1: Life's not fair, and that's okay. You just need to keep going. And like I said, if we came out on the other side of it together, then all of that awful stuff that we had to walk through, it would be worth it. So those are my takeaways. Nice.
0: Well, that's all we got tonight. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, Stay tuned for next week's episode next Wednesday. Thanks, and we will be on next week. Have a good day.